Reopening your restaurant comes with great responsibility. Are you doing everything you can to keep your staff and guests safe? With Trust20 certification, you and your guests can feel confident you're doing everything you can to keep everyone safe. Trust20 is home to the new standard of restaurant safety and consumer comfort. By becoming a Trust20 certified restaurant, diners will know the practices you follow to create a safe and healthy environment. Have confidence you're going above and beyond minimal requirements. Have comfort knowing your practices have been independently verified. To learn more, visit trust20.co. That's trust, the number 20.co. Trust 20 restaurants have access to a suite of resources that include expert-led training in four key areas, individual consultants, communication material, and signage. For Nashville Restaurant Radio listeners now through the end of July, you get free certification when you visit trust20.co and tell them you heard about them on Nashville Restaurant Radio. Trust 20, partnering with you to keep everyone safe. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host today. We have as our guest the talented Sarah Turbot. Sarah is a whiskey guardian for Angel's Envy. She's also a bartender at the Beer Cellar. And she has her own kind of little side gig going on called Saturn Custom Cocktails. And we talk about all of that today. She gives some great advice on how to make some great cocktails. And um, just a lot of fun getting to know her. So hopefully you enjoy this interview. There's going to be, I'm not going to release this interview on YouTube as a full interview, but there is going to be lots of snippets. So you'll be able to watch four or five different videos about Sarah. Um, So you can catch kind of the best parts of the interview. If you go over to our YouTube channel, and subscribe and check it out. You'll know when these videos get released. So on that point, I'd like to say thanks for listening to that Trust20 ad. Trust20 is doing some amazing things where they are coming out, they're doing an audit of your restaurant to make sure you're doing the 20 things they've identified as imperative right now in this uh, in this post-COVID whatever we're in right now. Uh, before the end of July, they will come out and do all of this for free for you. And I want your feedback. So if you hire them, if you call this number, you go to trust20.co, that's trust20.co, and they come out, do an audit, make a bunch of recommendations. I want your feedback. You do that, I will buy a $100 gift card to your restaurant, and then I'll give it to you to use however you want. Um, So please do that. I want to know uh, all about the process from an independent standpoint. So trust20.co. Also want to talk real quick today about Springer Mountain Farms Chicken. You guys know Spring Mountain Farms Chicken is a family-owned business nestled in the hills of the Blue Ridge Mountains with over 50 years of experience in raising chickens. 50 years. That's a long time. They exercise great care in all that they do. The dedication to providing their chickens with a quality life, healthy diet results in a healthier, more delicious chicken for you and your family to enjoy. Try Spring Mountain Farms Chicken today. Locate a store or restaurant near you. Or order online. Just go to the website, springermountainfarms.com. Click the Find Us button or the Order Online button. You can find out where you can find them and how to order online. We have got a great week coming up next week. 
uh, Friday, we've got the roundup with Delia Joe. And coming up Monday, we are having um, a musician come on the show. His name is Jeremy Lister. He's been a friend of mine for a really long time. And uh, we're going to come on. He's going to talk about his music. He was on the show, The Sing-Off. We're going to talk about that. We're gonna, he's going to play some songs. We're going to talk about his time working in restaurants. But it's going to be a super cool interview with a good songwriter uh, here in town, musician Jeremy Lister um, from Street Corner Symphony. And then on Wednesday, we're going to have Brad Schmidt from the Tennessean. And uh, he's going to come on and talk to us about everything that's going on in his life and just what's happening out there in the food scene, his world, what he's writing about, what he's seeing. So that'd be a really fun perspective. Brad is just, he's an amazing guy and I can't wait to dig deep with him. So lots of fun things on the horizon. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you can find it. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now TikTok. We're all over the place, y'all. We are getting, we're worldwide. So thank you all for listening today. Enjoy this interview with Sarah Turbot. We are, uh, with excitement, I want to welcome in Sarah Turbot to Nashville Restaurant Radio. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So Sarah is a bartender at the Beer Cellar. She's also a whiskey guardian um, for Angel's Envy. And right now she's kind of doing her own thing where you can <laughs> hire Sarah to come make drinks for you with her own company, Saturn Custom Cocktails. A lot going on for you right now. Surprisingly busy for uh, technically being unemployed. <laughs> so the, the first question I ask people on the show um, and if you listen to the show often, you're tired of me explaining this, but right now we're going through a surging pandemic. There's a civil rights movement. Bars are closed. How are you? Like, there's the standard greeting of, hey, what's up? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Like, how are you doing? What's your mental state like right now? How are you? In this very moment, I'm okay. I'm, I'm having a real good day. Um, life for me has been pretty good, but I'm not gonna, not gonna lie, it's been a little tough. You know, I'm, I'm used to being behind the bar, I'm used to staying busy, and it's been um, a complete 180 as far as the lifestyle goes. I think a lot of it's really good, but it's been a transition and uh, hasn't always been easy. What, was, uh, what were some of the big challenges? So, I mean, you're at the beer cellar and you're a whiskey guardian, and then March, you know, we get to St. Patrick's Day, which was not the same St. Patrick's Day we've ever had. I'm sure you get geared up for this and they close us down right at that time. What was that like for you? Oh man, so it was um it was a little crazy. So at the time I was I was not just a beer seller, but I was the bar manager over at Oak Steakhouse. So I was going I was doing both of those jobs. I had just signed on with Angels Envy. I was in the middle of this enormous cocktail competition. So life for me was just or I, rather, I just gotten back from this cocktail competition. So life had been really crazy. So my initial reaction was, cool, vacation. But that was before everything really sunk in. And once I realized, like, no, 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 this isn't just going to be for a couple of days, or this isn't just for a week, this is a long-term, like, we're, we're out of work. I mean, it, was, it was overwhelming. You know, it's, bartenders, I think, are notoriously busy. You know, we mm -hmm. don't necessarily sleep. You know, we're always on the run. You work these long shifts. Like, life is pretty crazy normally. <clears throat> yeah. So not having that kind of crazy consistency, it's a shock. And you're, you're also a musician. I am. Right? So you, you play the violin? I do. So I'm a, 
I'm a violist. I'm also a violinist. I, I, I do both of those simultaneously. What is I, a violist? Um, it is like, imagine a big violin, but a little bit lower sounding. Okay. So violin, viola. Okay. So there, <laughs> it's not just like a, so a violinist is a, somebody who plays the violin, a viola. Is it viola? Is that what you said? Yeah. Violist. Okay. So those are two different instruments. Yeah. You're teaching me here. I, I, I don't know. I think it's all super cool. I always, they're like the fiddle and whoever's playing that instrument is always my favorite person on, in the band. It's a lot of fun. I can imagine. So do you have a lot of friends during that time? Like what was their reaction amongst the whole community of bartenders? I, mean, I haven't really had a lot of bartenders on the show. Like what are, what was the, what, it, what was and what is the general community feeling right now? Um, well, it's different now than what it was in the beginning. You know, in the beginning, I noticed a lot of people becoming really innovative. You know, people were trying to find ways to work or ways to support the community. And I felt like there was a lot of motivation, even though it was, it was scary, it was a big transition, people were motivated. And now I'm starting to see a lot more frustration because this has gone on for so long. There's a lot mm -hmm. of um, dichotomy between the places that are choosing to stay open versus some of the smaller businesses that have shut down. And it's, it's been tough and everyone's having a hard time with it. So I'm noticing that morale is definitely, it's down a little bit, but I'm still seeing at least from my circle of bartender friends, you know, we're all hanging in there. Everyone's doing a really good job doing whatever they can. So I'm going to jump back a little ways. Where are you from? Are you from Nashville originally? Not originally. So I'm from upstate New York. I was born in Rochester, lived in Syracuse for a while. Okay. And what brought you to Nashville? What age did you move here? I was... 23. I had to think about that for minutes. 23, 24. Okay. And how long have you lived here? I'm doing math now. Uh, about seven years. Okay. You, you don't have to add that up out loud. You can just kind of keep that floating around your head. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> all right. So you've been here seven years. So you've got to see. So we'll go back. In New York, you're 23 years old. Have you always been into like spirits? Like you seem like you're just, you've, you're doing a ton of things. You look uber motivated. What, um, what got you into this business? Oh, I was in college. Actually, my starting bartending was kind of a funny story for me. I was in college. I was busy and I needed a night job. And there was this bar that was located on campus. It's called Chuck's. And Chuck's was, I guess if you could have the equivalent to the beer cellar, but triple the volume. You're just divey, writing all over the walls, like always. Nice. Kind of dark and funky, some TVs playing sports, but um, it was the only place that was hiring. So I ended up getting a job. I was working the register. So I wasn't even bartending. Um, but I was working the register, and one day a bartender didn't show up. And, um, this, you know, obviously this was a while ago, and one of the bartenders looked at me and goes, well, you seem like you're the least dumb of all the people working today, so uh, you're going to be a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I got so you became hurt. a bartender by default. Yes, but I loved it. And I, I had known after watching people bartend while I was working at Chuck's that I wanted to do it, but I was just waiting for my opportunity to work my way in. So have you always had a spirit of service? I mean, because bartending, what is it about bartending that you find the most appealing? Well, I mean, at first it, it wasn't the service and I probably shouldn't admit to that out loud. You know, I... I wanted, no, I wanted the, the nightlife. I wanted the party atmosphere. I wanted 
I wanted to feel like I was the center of what was going on. It was definitely the energy that attracted me at first. Um, but over the years, it's the service and the connections that kept me going with it. You know, I never thought that I was going to be a career bartender. That wasn't my initial goal, but I fell in love with it. And it's, it's the people and the, the elements of connection that really makes it special. So would you consider yourself a career bartender? Is that what you want to do? Yeah. Um, yes, to an extent. I always want to be making and serving drinks okay. in some facility. Was there, was there a person along the way that was kind of a mentor to you? Somebody that really inspired you that you kind of saw and you went, wow, you're really elevating your game and I want to do what you're doing. And then that kind of motivated you? There wasn't one particular person. Um, but I, I was constantly surrounded by challenging environments and um, challenging people. And so as I worked my way through different restaurants over the years, you know, bar hopping as most of us do when we first start off our careers, sure. you, know, you, you see the good and the bad in bartenders. And at first it started off, well, I, I don't want to be like this person or I don't want to, you, you'd see someone stumbling around behind the bar or someone getting mad at a guest. Like I, I knew that I didn't want to do that. And the more I separated myself from that type of service, pushing myself in a direction of, you know, genuine hospitality, I found that I connected with these people who had elevated their games, who had created these fantastic cocktails. I think it turned into more of an environment where the, the creativity that these people as a whole were expressing was very inspiring to me. So you had, you had a compass that was pointing you north and you saw other people that were doing things that you were able to recognize. Your moral compass was going one way and you recognized people what not to do. And then you surrounded yourself over time with people that were doing things that were really awesome that you felt like were creative and also inspired you and encouraged you to be creative as well. And that's where you really felt like you'd found your place. Absolutely. That's awesome. I love that aspect of it. And when you moved to Nashville, uh, where was the first place you worked when you moved to Nashville? Oh man, it was a <laughs> it was a Longhorn Steakhouse, and I was I was desperate. And honestly, it was a pretty good job. It wasn't for me, but it was a good job. Which one? The one out in Smyrna. Oh, Longhorn and Smyrna. Yes. Now, what is your cat's name? This is Ozzy. So, if if you're listening <laughs> to this right now, you cannot see Sarah, but her cat Ozzy. It just came on screen and she's holding Ozzy and Ozzy is adorable. <laughs> and uh, I used to have a black cat and I miss my cat so much. Yeah. Cat's adorable. So now I'm interviewing Ozzy too. Ozzy, how are you today? Got something to say? No, nope. he's he's looking at me interesting. Oh, there you go. Well, some meow there. <laughs> so <laughs> Longhorn Steakhouse. You know, I've interviewed a lot of people on this show and one of the things that I've found almost to be like a regular is that there's a lot of these type restaurants, the Longhorns, the Applebee's, the Ruby Tuesdays, the O'Charlie's that a lot of people work at as they come up. And there's a lot of really good fundamentals that you can learn in rest. There's some bad habits too, but like a lot of really good fundamentals. What's something that you learned while you were coming up at like a restaurant like that, that you still use today? You know, it wasn't there very long. Um, I probably only spent, <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's not true, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't spend as much time there as I could have. And I, I have to agree with you is that there's a lot of good habits that you can learn from these restaurants that are very structured and very corporate. Um, for me, for me, it was really about patience 
it was about interacting with guests because I was a server there. I wasn't a bartender. Okay. So we have this, we have this shield, you know, the bar can be the shield for us where if you're interacting with a guest that's challenging, you've got this bar in between you, but as a server, you don't have that. And for me, that was my first time really being a server. And so okay. that was a challenge for me. And it, it really forced me to kind of confront my difficulties with a challenging guest head on and learn how to handle it and be a much more positive person. Wow. What a, what a great perspective that is just kind of different aspects, learning about um, looking at things in the right way, which would make sense with just kind of your personality going into this COVID-19 where we've, everything's been closed and you've pivoted to a lot of different things. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here again, <laughs> but let's go back. So you left Longhorn. Where'd you go? What'd you do? I went to a little dive bar, which no longer exists, but it's um, over in East Nashville called Mad Donna's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Right across. Ever been there? Yeah, yeah, I've been to Mad Donna's. Yeah, had an amazing brunch. Um, really good Bloody Mary bar. That was super cool. Was Mad Donna's? Um, was that in the place where the, the radio cafe used to be, or lift, yeah. right across the street from the Lipstick Lounge? Yeah, yeah, that's the place. Like Cinco de Mayo is there now. Uh huh. Same spot. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, it was a cool place. I like Mad Donna's. That was fun. And so when I was there, I was a bartender. I would pick up tables sometimes, and then I also worked in the kitchen. So I, I did literally everything there. What was that like? Terrifying. <laughs> I am not built or made for a back of house life. So when you when did you get when did you get hooked up with Angels Envy? Um, a little bit later on. So I was um, I was um, the bar manager of our Oak Steakhouse. House. I started about three years ago. And um, the Angel Envy crew came in pretty frequently. Our GM at, um, at Oak had a really good connection with the lead whiskey guardian. And so you know, they were always interacting and always doing something. We were incorporating them into our drink venues and I really fell in love with it. And for me, recognizing the people that work for Angel Envy, how, how much I connected with them, I knew that that was a path that I had wanted to eventually go on. And so it was a pretty organic transition from um, appreciating them to working for them. So a lot of times when you like something, when you appreciate something and you think it's really nice and it's good, then you go work for them and things change. Anything <laughs> like that going on? I, I imagine it didn't, but talk about that transition. No, in fact, it's quite the opposite. I think that company is incredible and the more work that I do with them, the more I appreciate them. I was going to say about the actual products. I mean, a lot of people don't, I think everybody's heard of Angel's Envy at this point, but I'm, I'm curious because there, Angel's Envy is known for having a port wood finish. Is it a port wood? Is it finished in port barrels? It is. Can you talk about that? Can you talk about like what that means? Well, so basically, you know, your whiskey is aged no matter what, right? So we, we put it sure. in, these, in these oak barrels, but where most companies or most uh, distilleries will they'll age their whiskey, They'll take it out of the barrel and then they're done with it. Angel's Envy will go and they will put that whiskey into these port wine casks and they'll let that rest for a little while in there. And so it takes the, a lot of people say that whiskey has that bite at the end of it. Try, sure. I'm trying to simplify this and not get you know, too nerdy about this, but um, there's, a, there's this bite that some people say they get at the end of whiskey. The port gives it this beautiful, mellow, almost, I don't want to use sweet because I think that's often misinterpreted, but it's got a little bit of a sweetness to the finish. It's it's smooth to me, and and if you uh, if you're really familiar with the taste of port, 
you'll get a little hint of that on your palate. I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. I When I used to drink, that was one of my absolute favorite bourbons. I mean, it was just so, it was like velvety, just, just beautiful. And they also make a rye. Well. <laughs> What's that? Oh, you're drinking. Oh, you're drinking right now. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. And so, uh, and they have a cask strength. What is a cask strength? So, basically, they have taken a selected barrel of whiskey, chosen that as their favorite, and the proof in this particular cask is going to be higher than, say, the bourbon that you'd be drinking or the rye you've been drinking. But for Angel's Envy, it's a pretty special release. It's not going to be as high in quantity as, say, the bourbon. Um, for us, it's just a really special celebration of their finest pick of whiskey for the year. And that's always the best. Uh, that's, in my opinion, back when I used to drink, that was the one that was the uh, the cast strength is always, I like the super high gravity. I don't think a lot of people realize that when you make white dog, when you actually just make like the actual whiskey, you just put it in a barrel and the barrel is what gives it the color, right? Yeah. So for it to be called a bourbon, it's got to age for at least three years. And then from there, um, they, there's rick houses that they're stored in, some are on the top, some are at the bottom, some are at the middle. They all age at different times. And after you take it out of the barrel, they cut it with water. So when it goes in the barrel, it's a, you know, 162 proof or, or 162 proof. Is that it? It's much higher than the 80 proof that you're getting, the 40%. You can get to 125, 130, I think is what the cask is, right? I'm going to take you with me for uh, my whiskey tastings. Is it, am I, am I right? <laughs> yes. So you're looking at 120. So when you actually get a cask strength, you're looking at something that just came straight from the barrel. So they're actually going through and tasting different barrels. There's different elevations in the rickhouse and they find a barrel that's aged perfectly. It's got the right wood. It's got the right everything. And they go, this is the best barrel in the house. They don't cut it with any water and they just bottle it right there. And it's like, this is the purest form. And the beauty of it is that every year, since it's a different barrel, it's a little different. It's a little different. You're just, a lot of people have been collecting the different selections of the cask. They'll line them up year by year and do um, little mini tastings and oh. kind of see all the subtleties and differences in the different, uh, you know, the casks. It's, it's beautiful. When you go out and you actually sell, do you sell the angel? As a whiskey guardian, what is your, what do you do? So I'm relatively new to the whiskey guardian world. And um, my job has changed quite a bit during all of you know, this COVID nonsense. So initially what we would be doing is we would go around and meet with bar managers and, and different um, you know, servers and bartenders at restaurants. We would do whiskey tastings, samplings. I would host a cocktail class maybe um, with a staff and educate them on the product. Um, also, I have the option to go and create events that are hosted by Angels Envy, so happy hours or specific whiskey-related outings. Um, you know, of course, we're trying to encourage people to utilize our product and to be as excited about it as we are. But for us, that's, you know, that, that's just as important as sharing the knowledge and our personal love for the product. Um, so I'm not hand selling it myself. That would okay. be more of um, a distributor's job to be doing that. But I'm, I'm encouraging it. You know, I'm, I'm showing you how good this stuff is. Like, please drink it. Please enjoy it. Because we, we really are passionate about it. And it really is good stuff. So, and you know, I think a lot of people out there, part of this line of questioning, of asking you is just so that other people, because I think there's a perception 
a whiskey garden. What does that mean? Because it is a kind of a unique title. It's kind of one of those fun titles. Like I'm a whiskey guardian. There's an right. angel <laughs> and the whole thing. I, I, it's, it's awesome. But there are people that work at a distributor. Um, right. Who distributes Angels Envy? So we're with Best Brands. Okay. So a best brand salesman would come in and actually take the order and sell it. But you are more of a whiskey consultant, right? So you come in and you talk to people about product specs and you do tastings and you you do all the fun stuff. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then you 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 promote it and then they order it from best brands. Correct. Awesome. Yeah. So, so that's, I, that's the fun end of the job. You do get the fun end of the job. That's awesome. Um, if somebody wanted to contact you because they wanted to host a Angels Envy happy hour, they wanted to get Angels Envy involved with their their bar program, were you the person that they would call to kind of do sure. that? How would they get yeah, a hold of you? So the best way to get a hold of me is either um, through Instagram. My Instagram is Saturn, which is S-A-A-T-U-U-R-N, or also my email, which is sarahturbit at gmail.com. So if you're out there and you want to learn more about Angel's Envy and you'd like Sarah to come by and talk to you about whatever it is, there you go. That's her, her information. And let's talk about cocktails for a minute. Sure. Is that something you're into? Do you like cocktails? My absolute favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine there's a lot of people at home right now that aren't master bartenders like yourself. And you said... You were in a contest, the Patron Perfectionist Contest. Tell me about that. Just so we oh, know what kind of bartender we're talking about here. So this was um, this was a pretty crazy event. And I, when I first signed up, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I'm a member of the Bartenders Guild here in Nashville. I think you were, mm -hmm. you were talking to Akinda. Yeah, he's the current president of it. Yes. But um, yeah, so I, I'm a member of that. And uh, as part of the Bartenders Guild, they list all these different um, liquor endorsed competitions and this was before Angel's Envy and I was just kind of going through the list and signing up for all these different competitions and basically you enter a cocktail there's different guidelines per competition but you enter a cocktail you describe the ingredients give a little story about it um, and then you kind of set it off and I, I had signed up for maybe three or four of them and I'd forgotten about this competition and all of a sudden I got this email like hey you've been selected to compete and so I ended up competing I, I, I flew down to New Orleans for um for the first round of patron perfectionist competitions and i had to present this cocktail and what i didn't realize was how big of an event this was so we um we had i think at the time there was i want to say 20 bartenders and we all wow. presented and everyone had this you know elaborate story and this crazy cocktail and i mean it was it was incredible to watch it was the most inspiring thing talking about you know surrounding yourself with inspiring people like that was my moment like oh my gosh i'm in a different world um <laughs> But I, I ended up winning in New Orleans, and so I, I won, wow. and that, which was super cool. You know, I was. What was the drink I, you made? So it was called a sip for a siesta, and it was Patron Reposado, a poblano liqueur, and then a watermelon, tomato, and honey shrub. Poblano, like pepper yeah. liqueur. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then what? A watermelon, tomato, and honey shrub. Wow. Okay. So it was, put all those things together. And it was great. I was super proud of it. Um, but it was it was still a surprise to win you. I, I loved what I did, but it was it was a cool experience. Where did you so, get the inspiration for that drink? You had to follow these different guidelines. So you could only use a certain amount of ingredients and um, 
for these cocktail competitions, people try and tell a story. So I wanted to connect the culture of Tennessee to the culture of Mexico, where this tequila was from. And so I tried to pick ingredients that had a connection between, you know, both, both cultures. Nice. And so playing around with stuff, which is where I get really nerdy at home, um, playing around with different flavors, I found a combination that I thought worked really well. Awesome. Okay, so you won New Orleans. Well, what comes after that? They flew me down to Guadalajara for um, the Global Grand Finals, which was the craziest thing ever. I don't know, for anyone who's been listening to Patron, they already or been listening to this. They Patron is incredible. It, it's this place where they call it the Hacienda, and it's, it's magical. It's like a five-star resort, and they just go above and beyond to show you how they make their tequila, what they mean as a brand. Uh, it, it's unreal. It, it's wow. the most amazing place. But um, so we had this competition there and there were two rounds. So there was the initial, the semifinals, and then there were the grand finals. And I made it to the final rounds of it. And, and it was both terrifying and, <laughs> and amazing and fun. And I've never learned more in such a short amount of time. Wow, what, what did you, what was your placing at the very end? So I didn't win and pretty much those were your two options. You either won or you didn't. Okay. So I did not win, <laughs> but I did make, there was um, seven of us that made it to the global grand finals and I was one of those seven. Okay. So you could have been second place or seventh place. You don't know, but right. The top seven. Yeah. I, I was pretty proud of that. Heck I was yeah. so at it. I'd totally be proud of that. <laughs> So I think that qualifies you to start to talk about some cocktails here, right? We, we can get real <laughs> nerdy about cocktails. This is, this is my world. All right, let's get nerdy. Let's get educational. And I'm going to ask you for some homework. So what we're going to do is we're going to do these, and then I'll get these recipes from you, and I'll put them in the show notes so okay. that if somebody hears this, they're driving in their car listening to this, they don't have to like start writing down recipes, and we'll, we'll write these down and put them in the show notes later. Well, before, before we get started, I, I kind of want to squash this idea that you need to be a master bartender to make a phenomenal drink. I think that there's this big misconception that you have to be, you know, this celebrated mixologist to, to come up with something that tastes good. And that's just, in my opinion, it's just not true. I think some of the best cocktails are the most simple cocktails. And um, even though I've made all these crazy drinks, you know, being behind the bar at all these different places, what I drink at home, I, I tend to keep very simple. So I'm, if I'm drinking brown spirits, so whether that is whiskey or a dark rum or an aged tequila, one of my go-to drinks is going to be an old fashioned. And I, I say this because it is the most versatile cocktail. Um, so typically what I'm gonna be doing is taking ounce and a half to two ounces of whatever spirit. So in, let's say in this case, whiskey, we're using Angel's Envy. So two ounces of Angel's Envy, um, I'm going to be using a quarter ounce of simple syrup. A simple syrup is, I think, the most incredible ingredient to work with at home, especially if you're not someone who has a whole lot of experience with making craft cocktails because sugar blends with everything. You can literally take anything in your kitchen and put it into a simple syrup. So one of my go-tos, I, um, I have an herb garden. It's nothing crazy, but I've got some mints and basil, rosemary, thyme. Um, and if I want to spruce up my old fashioned, I will take my simple syrup. So for my preference, it's equal parts sugar and hot water. I'm stirring the sugar into the hot water until it completely dissolves. 
and then I'm tossing in whatever herbs I want to toss into to get that flavor. Usually I let it steep for five to eight hours, you know, basically until it's completely cooled all the way through. I strain out the, uh, the herbs and I'm left with this beautiful infused simple syrup. So, so that's all it takes. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to call time out here. Yeah. So if I want to make a really cool mojito or whatever my drink is, I go out and I can get mint mm -hmm. I make a simple syrup. I can put one cup of sugar, one cup of hot water, mm -hmm. and I just throw some mint right in there. Yeah. And I let that sit overnight. Steep it like tea. S steep it like tea? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you put a tea bag in hot tea. Yeah. Let it sit for a few seconds while it's hot and then, and then just chill it. Okay. Like, am I pulling it back out? I'm leaving it in there, right? Leave it, leave it in. But leave it in while you chill it. Put it in the fridge? Uh-huh. Okay. Cover it, put it in the fridge and let it the, sit until it's cold all the way through. And then tomorrow morning I get up and then I pull it out and I, I can pull the mint out, strain the mint out. But then that simple syrup, that sugar and water is going to be a mint, a fresh mint flavored sugar water. Yeah. Simple syrup. So you can do it with any herb. Yeah. Really. That's cool. Just about anything. You can do it with fruit. You could do it with vegetables. So if you, if you like cucumber and mints, throw some cucumber in there as well. Um, it's the most versatile ingredient. It's so fun to play around with. So there's a little bit of planning involved, but not too much. I mean, not necessarily. <laughs> you, you can <laughs> plan it. Um, I've definitely like raided through my fridge just to see what I have and came up with a few random ingredients and made it work. But I mean, yeah, you can, you can plan it out or you can just use whatever you have lying around. All right. I'm sorry. Please continue. Um, but yeah, so we're at two ounces of... We're saying whiskey in this scenario, quarter ounce of whatever simple syrup you have laying around or whatever simple syrup you happen to make. And then um, my preferred recipe is I actually use two dashes of orange bitters and then two dashes of um, more of an earthy style bitter. So my personal preference is Jerry Thomas, um, his own decanter bitters. But you could use Angostura, you could use a black walnut. Um, it's really up to personal preference. And I try and match my bitter flavors to whatever simple syrup I'm using. And bitters are, you can get them on Amazon. You can go to a liquor store and order them. There's, there's a million varieties out there and it's really fun to play around with. Okay. Is that like if you go to like the Patterson house or any bar and they have like these little droppers? I always see them. They have like a little drop. They're putting a drop of this and a drop of that and a drop of this. What are I those mean... typically those things they're putting in there? Is that like the different flavored simple syrups or different tinctures? It is, I mean, honestly, probably whatever whatever the bar manager decided to put in them. It could, it could very well be a bitters. It could be either a re-bottle of bitters or a house recipe. It could be a tincture of sorts. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, especially at a bar like the Patterson House or, or at like the Fox Cocktail Bar, yes. you know, they, they get so creative. So they, okay. they could have anything in there. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> uh, if I keep interrupting you, it's going to take hours to talk about two drinks. So I will stop. Well, no, that, that was it. Those were all the ingredients. So my one, my one piece of advice, though, is don't shake your old-fashioned. Don't do it. It's not good. Stir it. Strain it over fresh ice. And then I like to garnish um, my old-fashions with a cherry, uh, preferably a Luxardo cherry. I think they're just they're better. And yeah. then uh, an orange twist. But lemon works really well, too. Um, lime, if you've got maybe a lighter-flavored bitter, you can really get creative with it. I think it's one okay. of those cocktails that you could – you could really play around with and be very successful with. So when I make this, just because I want to be crystal clear, right? Sure. Cause 
I want to make sure people learn how to make the best damn old fashioned that they possibly can. This is very important. We're stuck at home, you know. So I'm taking a glass and it's going to be an empty glass or is there ice in the glass already? There is no ice in the glass already. This is a, there is not, this is like a mixing tent, right? And I'm going to take two ounces <laughs> of Angel's Envy. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to put a quarter ounce of the simple syrup of my choice. Okay. Two dashes of orange bitters, two dashes of Angostura, Angostura bitters, I said. Whatever other kind of bitters you want to play with. And then that's it. Then I'm going to take that and I'm going to put that in a glass. I'm going to I'm going to stir that, not well, shake stir, it. Stir it in. So you've put all these ingredients together. Now put your ice on top. And then okay. stir it in the same glass. Okay. And what does that do? So basically you are diluting that cocktail. So the same way, um, it, it's like adding ice to a drink. So if you're drinking whiskey neat, it's going to be a little bit sharper. You add an ice cube, you let it melt into it a little bit. It's going to be much more mellow. So yeah. by stirring that cocktail with the ice, you are breaking it down just enough that all the ingredients blend together. You're slightly diluting it so it's not going to be so sharp. It's just going to make it a much more coherent blend of ingredients. And then you're going to strain that into another glass with fresh ice. Correct. Okay. And that is because you've already, you've been working that ice that you've been stirring. So that ice has already started to break down. Yeah. So by pouring it over fresh ice, you're just extending the life of your cocktail by using ice that is going to take just a little bit longer to break down. Okay. And I mean, it's, and essentially you're adding a little more liquid because the ice is already melted. So you're making the cocktail larger, putting in fresh ice. You add a cherry, Luxardo cherry would be recommended. And then you just take an orange, you take the little peel, put it around the edge, you twist it. Now I see people introduce fire. Sure. I see people take torches and they light oranges on fire and they do something with fire what's yeah. going on there then you are you are toasting that orange peel and you're changing the flavor of the zest or the oil that you're getting from the orange so you're going to get more of a, a burnt orange flavor which a lot of people find very appealing so is there a better bitter that goes with burnt orange is there do you change the ingredients if you burn the orange at all you can do whatever you want that i hate to sound so vague with this but the no, beauty I love it. of this cocktail is that there's so much so much flexibility to do what you want. Now, for me, if I'm going to be doing a toasted orange or a burnt orange or you know whatever you want to call it, I'm gonna, I am going to change up my bitters. I'm still going to use my orange bitters because I like that citrus element in my cocktail. Mm-hmm. But I might mix it up and instead of doing something so clove-heavy like the Jerry Thomas bitters, I might move over to like a chocolate bitter or a Ooh. walnut bitter. And that's going to amplify the flavor of that orange and the orange amplify the flavor of the chocolate or the walnuts. So if I go on Amazon or wherever and I order like a bitters kit that has like four or five different kinds of bitters, right? Mm -hmm. What's another drink that I can make at home that I'm able to utilize those bitters with? I mean, we can make a bunch of different kinds of old fashions, but if I got all these bitters now, now I'm into the bitter game. Uh What's another drink I can make with bitters? I mean, you, you have an endless variety of cocktails, but I guess going along with things that are simple to make at home, and we're already talking about brown spirits. So going back to the classics, you can always make a Manhattan. Let's, let's talk about how to make a Manhattan, because those yeah. are, I think that the classics that you hear are old-fashioned and Manhattan, and I think if you're a bartender, you know how to make those really well, but just for the average person out there, like having a bartender explain how to make them really good, this is really fun. So thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. I, I could talk about this all day. This, this, is, this is my favorite thing to talk about. But yeah, um, Manhattans are pretty straightforward. They're, they're another cocktail. I think like what you're saying before, they sound more complex than they actually are. 
but you know, we're still talking about bourbon. Um, I'm gonna be using two ounces. In this case, I prefer a rye. So we'll say the Angel's Envy rye. Um, two call. ounces of that. Um, an ounce of sweet vermouth. And you can play around with this. My personal preference, I like Carpano Antica. You get a little bit of like, um, it's a bigger bodied vermouth, got a little bit of a raisiny flavor to it. I think that is, it's just a really, uh, it plays well with others, I guess is the way to put it. But okay. Carpano Antica, and then I'm doing a couple dashes of bitters, um, really bitters of choice. I would say in this case, I use Angostura more often than not. But same method, you know, you stir it over, stir it over ice, strain it out. But I, instead of straining this one over fresh ice, I strain it up into a martini glass or a coupe glass. If you don't have that at home, whatever glass you have, but I prefer it without ice because you don't want to add any extra dilution to that cocktail. And that, that's your most standard, basic Manhattan recipe. <clears throat> now, I see people put ice in a martini glass. Mm -hmm. They let the ice sit in a martini glass and they, they, they throw the ice out right before they, they put the, uh, the drink. Does that do anything? Does that really make the drink any colder? Or is that like a bartending trick to make it look special? Well, I mean, if you're just throwing a couple pieces of ice in and then immediately tossing it out, it's not doing a whole lot. But if you, if you have your martini glass, your coupe glass, you fill it up with ice, and maybe you add some, some water or some soda water on top, you let that sit while you're making your cocktail, that's going to chill your glass. And I think it does add quite a bit to your cocktail. Okay. Uh, the other option is, I mean, if you have the extra space in your fridge or your freezer, put some glasses in there and have them, have them pre-chilled. And then when you're ready, after you're done stirring your glass, pull, or after stirring your cocktail, pull your glass out, and you can pour it directly into an already chilled glass. So both of those options work really well. How much do you miss talking to people, like guests, about cocktails? So much. <laughs> I really, I really miss it. You know, we were talking earlier about just, we're sitting here talking about all these different things and I'm kind of talking about your background, but when we start talking about cocktails, like your whole demeanor, like you light up. I like get you so excited about it. It's amazing because I'm watching you and it's like, you just like, your eyes get big and then you're smiling. Like you're smiling when you're speaking, yeah. talking about cocktails. And I imagine that that is a, it's a, it's probably the hardest thing for you right now, not doing that. But you are doing that because you have a private company called Saturn Custom Cocktails mm -hmm. that you will take. One of the things I can tell about you also is that you're incredibly professional. And I love that. I love that. I just like bartenders that are that, like that take it seriously, I like chefs that take it seriously, that take pride in their work. I love people that are memorable, that really take it to the next level. And you're absolutely that person. So if I wanted to have a party and I wanted somebody to be professional, to be there, to make amazing cocktails at Saturn custom cocktails, what do you, how do you, how does that work? It, it's really up to each individual person. Um, so recently I did a whiskey tasting uh, for a private event and they, they reached out to me. They asked me to curate a selection of um, different spirits, mostly whiskey. And then um, we did a brief cocktail class. We all got together. We learned how to make a drink. Everyone got their opportunity if they wanted to, to make it themselves. And then basically, well, they had their party. I passed out drinks, but we can also, we can make it more formal. We can make it less formal. I, I try and create custom events for custom, you know, parties. I, I try and, I guess the best way to say is I, I cater towards the individual. Sure, sure. I mean, there's probably a lot of people out there that, you know, have lots of private events. I mean, that right now, I, was, I wouldn't be surprised to find out if there's speakeasies all over the city 
Um, if there are, find out and let me know because I will be there. I mean, I feel <laughs> like with all the bars closed, somebody's got like a cocktail club happening somewhere right now. I'm just, I am so not cool enough to be invited or know anything about it. But I'm sure that this is like the 20s, the 2020s, 1920s, where people are doing like private bar things like, hey, we're just going to hang out at bars. We're just going to do it at Tommy's house and we're all going to get together and have a good time. But if you wanted to do something like that, if you wanted to have a party, check her out. Find her on Instagram at S-A-A-T-U-U-R-N. Right? Right. Your company is called Saturn Custom Cocktails. You, uh, in normal times when bars are open, you also bartend at the beer cellar. Now that seems like, I've been to the beer cellar a hundred times. Like it's been a long time since I've been to the beer cellar. I think the, the last time I was there, they were closing. It was like, I was like one of the last people at the beer cellar. I guess they reopened again. They had closed a long time ago and they reopened. Um, that's, is that like a cocktail bar now? It seemed like that was like jukebox and beer pool and darts. It is jukebox, uh, beer, pool, and darts for sure. But if you come on a Monday, I do cocktail pop-ups on Mondays. Ooh, I did not know that. Do not ask the other bartenders for this. They will be so bad. (laughs) (laughs) But no, every, every Monday I try and do a different cocktail. Um, as basically I bring enough ingredients that I can make anywhere from 25 to 50, whatever the featured cocktail is. And then when I'm out, I'm out. Nice. Yeah. It's been fun. All right, so Monday nights, you, you just have so much going on. Like I, for somebody who's, you know, not working right now, for all the bars to be closed, like you have a lot going on. You're also a musician. You play um, the violin and the viola, mm-hmm. and your boyfriend's in a band. Let's talk about let's let's give him a little bit of pub. What's he doing these days? Oh, so he, if you think I'm busy, he's on a different level. So he's a musician. He's also a chef. Um, we have a cooking show that we do together, so that's pretty exciting. Um, where's so, that at so we've been hosting it from our house and we're doing it once a month through connect nashville nice. and uh we're calling it quarantine on, or um, date night on lockdown or um quarantine date night and basically we pick he picks a recipe um for a dish to make and then i make an easy cocktail and we do a little tv show um it's on facebook and instagram and we teach people how to utilize things from their house and turn it into a date night at home and this is free or is there this free. is a charge? Yeah. No, it's it's absolutely free. It's through Connect Nashville, K-E-N-E-C-T. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're they're on Facebook and Instagram, and so we've been doing stuff with them. But all of that aside, um, he just launched a new album. So he's super busy. He is um, a pretty talented writer and rapper. We had a band together for a while. We're kind of on hiatus with that, but he's been in the meantime, doing his own solo stuff. And hey, what's the I, new I album called? Um, he he just said, oh my gosh, he's got a whole bunch of different songs he just um, released. But with the crown comes the guillotine. With the crown comes the guillotine. Yes. Got it. And you can find that on Apple Music, I assume? He's on Spotify. Okay, he, Spotify. He's going to kick my butt you. for not knowing this. <laughs> <laughs> He just well, released it yesterday, though. So he's on Instagram. That's the best way to follow him. So he is um, B-E-Z-T-H-C-T-V on Instagram. Say that again and slower. <laughs> B-E-Z-T-H-C-T-V. Okay. And his name is? Brandon Evans. 
Brandon, what a fantastic name this young man has. I like it. All right, so there's another Brandon. I had a Brandon on the show mm -hmm. the other day. Um, so Brandon Evans, he has a band. You guys do a cooking show. You have your own bar pop-up. You're a bartender. You're an Angel's Envy Whiskey Guardian. You're amazing. And we're, we're a little busy over here. <laughs> I thank you so much for coming on the show today and just kind of talking about what you do, us getting to know you. And if you're out there, go visit Sarah. If you need somebody who's a badass bartender, give her a call, send her an email, check out Saturn Custom Cocktails. And Sarah, one of the things I do with all of my guests is I like to give them the last word. So you've got the city of Nashville listening. Mm -hmm. I mean, like all nine people that listen to this, but they're listening. What would you like to say? Final words, anything you want to say to the community? Oh, there's so many things, but I think right now with everything going on in the world, with everything going on in Nashville, if you have the ability to go out and enjoy a meal or enjoy a drink, whether it's in a bar while you can or, or to go, Support your local small businesses. They're hurting right now. They really need it. You know, give love to the little guys because our city would not be the same without them. I love it. That is, that is, I've been screaming that from the mountaintops uh, every single day. That's a great message. Sarah, thank you once again for coming on uh, Nashville Restaurant Radio. Brandon, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, Sarah Turbot, thanks for coming on Nashville Restaurant Radio. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. And now you might be able to make the best Manhattan and old-fashioned you've ever made. You can increase your bitter and simple syrup game. Uh, we have got a couple bonus. We got a bonus footage for you on YouTube where uh, we do a whole, it's like a whole thing, a whole extra set of questions. We talk about her tattoos and uh, she explains them. So it's kind of a fun thing. Uh, we've got some other, we're going to have that cocktail segment up for you on YouTube as well. So please check out YouTube, subscribe to YouTube. And I put up videos all the time and you'll get notifications when they are, uh, when they're available. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys are staying safe and uh, love you guys. Bye. That's the end of this show.